Well, hello there, Clashers and Gamers. Welcome back to another episode of Clashing in Traffic. My name is Catfish. Why don't y'all hop on in and buckle up? Because it's time to go play in some traffic. Folks, this week, we have a very important question. And we're just going to start it off with this, in question, with this question. And that question is, should Catfish apply for a job at Supercell? Guys, you know that for the past several months, I have been hitting the topic of account security pretty hard on the podcast. We've wrangled in several other folks who have joined in on this crusade about account security. There's been many posts that have been put onto the subreddit about account security. The Reddit Talks Clash podcast has been hitting it. Also, we've had several of the other podcasts that have hit it. I know Pineapples and Thorns has, has mentioned it. There have been content creators. Some of the larger content creators in the Clash of Clans universe have finally started addressing this too, which answers one of my questions as to whether or not anybody who is in the NDA program with Supercell, who had content creator roles, if any of those folks were actually going to address an issue that puts a little bit of a bad light on Supercell, and that did happen. Now, nobody was blasting Supercell. It was just bringing up an issue. It's who put out a video about this, and he had some very good things to say about it. Galadon also addressed the topic in one of his videos. Uh, he didn't go quite into as much detail as what Itsu did, and he pretty much kind of gave us the same answers that we have received from Supercell employees in the past. Just the, you know, protect your stuff. If you got hacked or fished, that, then you probably shared some information you shouldn't have. Isn't quite as helpful as what Itsu was doing or what some of the some of us here in the podcast community and in the subreddit have been trying to get done. However, last week we saw something happen that got me thinking. Guys, Supercell put out in a, in a twit in a twit in a tweet <laughs> Supercell from the Supercell account tweeted that they are looking for a senior information security professional. Now, what what does that mean? What is a senior information security professional? Well, guys, that's that's pretty much what my job is right now. It is all about information security, cybersecurity, and things along those lines. So I saw that tweet, and there were some folks who were questioning whether or not it was going to be real because they they kind of tongue-in-cheek as they tweeted this out, said that they're hiring senior information security professional in Helsinki, and then it says, click link to apply. Trust us, it's not a phishing link. Well, <laughs> I got to think that's a little bit of an inside joke to those of us who have been trying to bring attention to the fact that phishing is a problem in Clash of Clans, and not just Clash of Clans, but in the Supercell universe. Anybody who has an account using Supercell ID in any of the Supercell games is susceptible to the same issues. Supercell doesn't employ all of their own support folks. Most companies that have, oh, well, most large gaming companies, most uh, providers of any sort of IT assets, they farm out a lot of their customer support. And it only makes sense because to have a dedicated staff that is looking only at, at customer support for a certain game means that there's a potential for a lot of downtime for those folks. Well, if you farm it out to a, a dedicated customer support company that's taking calls from multiple different things, that means those people are constantly working and Supercell is only having to pay 
you know, for the time that they're working on those projects, right? It's a little bit cheaper way to do things. It's a way to keep costs down and keep things going. So having that tier one support being farmed out is completely in line with, with the way that the IT business works today. If you have an issue with your computer or with your cell phone or with whatever, most of the time, if you call customer support for whatever it is, it's not actually going to be an employee of that company that you're talking to, at least on that first tier of support. As the issues get more and more difficult, where it's more than just having to read a script from you know a customer support manual, then you're going to actually start getting those employees of the company. So it's it makes perfect sense that Supercell does uh, does farm that out. Now, for this, they're actually hiring somebody at Supercell headquarters in Helsinki. And I got to thinking, all right, you know, I've been pretty pretty vocal about uh, what my thoughts are on the account security issues within Supercell. Let me go look and see what the requirements and what the responsibilities and whatnot would be if I were to take this job, if I were to apply to it. And the requirements are five plus years of working experience in the field, preferably with a software engineering background. Okay, five plus years in cybersecurity. Guys, I have been doing cybersecurity for over 20 years now. So I think I meet that. Now, it says preferably with a software engineering background. I don't have that. But again, that's a preferably. So I've not been directly involved with software engineering, but I've had, oh, a little bit of interaction with that. The next requirement is experience with AWS or GCP, so Amazon Web Services, uh, cloud environment kind of stuff, including their security tooling. Well, that's that's something that I'm I'm working on right now. As a matter of fact, I am enrolled in some um, some training institute things through Microsoft to get uh, my my cloud certification with Microsoft and a couple other certifications that I need to get caught up on. So we have a little bit of operational experience with that, more on the managerial side than the actual getting in and, and doing things. Again, managerial side, I would think that a senior information security professional would be more on the managerial side, but you know, whatever. Uh, knowledge with distributed systems and with at least one major programming language. Okay, the first part of that, knowledge with distributed systems. Guys, I, I work and have worked since 1997 uh, in a an international organization with things all over the world. So distributed systems, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty distributed. Um, now, this is where the issue for me comes in. With at least one major programming language. Guys, I have never been a programmer. That That is one stumbling block that I have in the IT field is that I've never, you know, I've never been a programmer. Uh, I've been more, again, on the the hardware side and on the transport side. I used to set up long haul networks and, and things. So using satellites to connect one continent to another uh, in, in, in the, the, yeah, the hardware communication side of it, more on the telecommunication side than the actual IT side. And then the last 15 years or so, it's been on the management, the, oh, the compliance tracking kind of things where it's more at the higher level where it's less actually doing programming and, and things like that. So I don't have experience with programming language. Is that something that I could fix? Yeah, I'm, I'm in these courses right now trying to, you know, broaden my knowledge and improve my education and whatnot. So I could potentially fix that, but that doesn't give me experience. So this could be the thing right here 
that keeps Supercell from wanting to hire me. Uh, what else do we have? Comfortable with working in an international, fast-paced, challenging, and stimulating organization. Guys, I, I started off in the Army. So, yeah, international. Fast-paced, you would not believe the op-tempo of being in the Army and then getting into the Special Forces community in the Army in the summer of 2001. Can you imagine how fast-paced that became just a few months later? And all of the things that we've had to go through in that. So yeah, I'm used to working fast-paced stuff. <clears throat> and then now that I work, not I'm not in the army. Now I work for the Navy doing things. Um, yeah, it's it's still quite fast-paced and quite challenging. And it, many times it is stimulating. So yeah, I, I, I meet that requirement. I think solid communication skills, ability to communicate with non-technical people. That is one of the primary things in my job is taking taking information that we receive from the people who are actually working on the networks and on the computer systems and building things, taking the information from them, turning that into briefs and presentations and briefing our admirals and generals and higher level folks within the government on what is going on. And I'm not saying that anybody that's higher up in the chain of command is a complete and total technical idiot. That's not what I'm saying. But the higher and higher you get up in the chain of command, the less time you actually have working on things. Your job is, it's a different job. So they may not have all of that technical knowledge. I don't have all of that technical knowledge, but my job has been interpreting all of that from the guys who are actually performing the work to the people who are doing all of the, the command and control and paying the bills and getting all of the budget allocated to where it needs to go. So that's, yeah, I think I, I meet that part of the requirement there. Proactive and curious mind. Well, yeah, well, we can do that. Should be familiar with information security requirements, processes, frameworks, and tools. Well, I mean, that, that's that's been my job for 20 years now, so we're good with that. And then here is one that makes me think this job is not just about account security, but actually has quite a bit to do with some other things that we're going to get into on this episode. And that requirement is understanding how personal data needs to be protected. Well, guys, I'm a, I, I have a certification in the IT cybersecurity field. Uh, it is it is a, a certified information system security professional, CISSP. Uh, it's granted to me by uh, ISC Squared is the organization that does that. It, there's a big, massive test that we have to take and show all this experience and whatnot. Part of that certification is understanding data privacy and privacy laws and how privacy laws from one nation to another can be different. And figuring out how, when you're in an international organization, how to make those different privacy laws work for what the needs of, let's say the company, I don't work for a company, but for the needs of the company uh, and the needs of the users that are being impacted and still abide by what those laws are. So I'll give you an example. I have had to deal with issues where we as the United States Department of Defense have contracted people to work some jobs for us. Now, those people and the jobs are actually not going to be inside the United States. They're going to be at one of the places where we have a base that's overseas, okay? And those people that we've contracted do not are not actually citizens of the country where that base is. So now we have 
the privacy laws of the country where those people are from, the privacy laws of the United States of America, since that's what the data and all that is being owned by, and the privacy laws of the host nation where we have that base. Those, that kind of stuff can really get hairy. And I think that leads right into another issue that we're seeing in Clash of Clans at this moment. Last week, we talked about, I, I put out my episode right after there was a maintenance update. And there were several things that went on with the quality of life changes there that, that we've all talked about and tested out. But something that wasn't discussed in the patch notes for that, and I kind of alluded to it last week, and it, it reared its head in the fact that after the maintenance was done, there were many people who could not log on. And we just thought it was a bug after coming back from maintenance, right? Because sometimes those things happen. Sometimes when there's maintenance and changes, there's bugs that are that are showing themselves and we've got to wait for them to figure it out. Well, Supercell has not addressed this officially, but it seems to us, to those of us in the community who have kind of been exploring and investigating what's going on, that all Chinese players have been separated. Anybody who had China listed as their country is now somewhere in a separate server. We have some folks who we have seen through Twitter and through Reddit who are in China that have reached out and said, yeah, here's what it looks like to us, that there's some differences now. There were there are clans that maybe there was an international clan where some of the people in the clan were from China and some of them weren't. Well, now there are two versions of that clan. There's one version of that clan that is in the international servers. So where most of us that are listening to this podcast are from. And all of the people that were based in China in that server are are in that clan are no longer there. If you try to search for them, it says that the account can't be found, even though sometimes you might still be able to see them in the search when you go to check their profile. You can't actually see any information about them. And what it looks like has happened is that Supercell has split off all of the clans based in China and all of the players based in China into their own separate server. And they've almost like mirrored it to where if where we have these clans that, that were split, we have two versions of that clan now. One that's in international, one that's in China. And it's it's created quite a bit of issues. Some folks logged in to find out that their leader was no longer the leader. And the, the, that the leader of that clan was now just given to whoever the longest serving co-leader was, right? Well, then we hear from the actual leader who's based in China and we see screenshots from what he sees, he's still the leader of the clan that's in the China servers, if that's really what this is. Because again, we don't have any, any acknowledgement from Supercell yet. We'll get into some of that in a bit. So now there's two versions of these clans. They'll never see each other. How did this, how did this affect some of the people that have been doing things? Well, if you were in a war when that maintenance happened and your war was against a player who may have been based in China... You couldn't attack his base. You got this this warning that come, would come up and you couldn't even scout it and said that the player couldn't be found or that uh, attacking that base was disabled. You couldn't even attack it. We had clans who lost wars because they couldn't attack another player. And that player, if you start looking at where they're from, their language or their their location was China. 
Now we have players who are submitting things into the subreddit saying we have not been able to match a war. We have not been able to find any war matches for days. Like they have hit, you know, search for a war. It spins for 24 hours. It times out and says no match found. We've not seen that. Every war that we have spun has, has come up just golden. The issue with that is they probably still have some Chinese accounts that are in their clan that they just need to kick out. If you have a, an account that was based in China that's still in your clan and you try to do a war with it, that account is pretty much showing up as banned on the international servers. And you can't actually find a match for that war. So if, if that's happening to you, then just don't select those players when you when you go to spin your war. That should fix it. I hope we don't actually have to kick people out. Is this a temporary thing? We don't know. Is it permanent? We don't know. Why hasn't Supercell said anything? Well, guys, this is not the first time that we have seen this in the gaming world. And I don't think that when a group of people who love games get together and decide that they are going to create games, I don't think any of those guys ever thought that they were going to be tossed right into the middle of international politics. And that is what is happening here with Supercell. Now, there have been folks that have said that this is the, this is because Supercell is owned by Tencent and Tencent is based in China. I don't think that really has anything to do with it. And the reason I say that is because there have been issues like this where it had nothing to do with China. Uh, if we look at PUBG Mobile, PUBG Mobile is another game that I like to play. I don't, I don't grind as hard as I do in PUBG Mobile as, as I do in Clash of Clans. I'm just a, you know, casual guy who goes in and maybe I'll do a couple, couple matches a week. Um, I don't think I've ever pushed any higher than Crown, maybe. And yeah, I just like to go in, do a couple hits, do a couple, couple matches, and and that's all I do. PUBG Mobile was massive uh, across, you know, the entire globe. There's a lot of players all over the place. PUBG Mobile is also owned by Tencent. <clears throat> now, PUBG Mobile got banned in India. So India said, we don't like the way that things are being run. Uh, there was a couple things where PUBG Mobile didn't necessarily abide by some of the guidance and regulations and laws and whatnot in India. And India said, we want changes made. And uh, PUBG Mobile wasn't able to make all of those changes. So what ended up happening was India said, if you can't make those changes, we are going to block your app in our country. So all of the players from India in PUBG Mobile got blocked. They couldn't log in. Well, th that was a massive contingent of people in India who were on the PUBG Mobile, uh, the, the, the casual scene and even the competitive scene, lots of content creators. And now they're they're gone. They're blocked. They can no longer log into the game. And there was even some issues where the VPNs were getting stopped so that people couldn't VPN out of India and then try to log in to PUBG Mobile. So what did Tencent do in that? They actually created a second version of the game, and they called it Battlegrounds Mobile India, BGMI. They had to create a completely separate instance of the game. They made some changes to where it doesn't look and not that PUBG Mobile is graphic. You know, you're shooting people with little tiny bullets and you might see a little bit of red, red splatter. Okay. And it doesn't even linger. But those were things that India decided they didn't want in a game that was geared towards non-adults. And not that it's geared towards kids that are five and six years old, but 
there were still minors who were playing the game and they said, we don't like that. If you're going to have that, you can't be in our country. So they created a separate version of it and made some tweaks to it, made it a little bit different than PUBG Mobile, and it passed the regulations in India, and then they were allowed to have BGMI in the App Store and in the Play Store in India. So this is an instance where it's not China telling Tencent, because Tencent is based in China, it's not China telling Tencent that you must do something, and because you are in our country, you have to comply. No, no, it's a country telling a game developer, regardless of what country that game developer is in, if you want to be in our country, you must make these changes. I think that is what's happening with Clash of Clans right now. We've seen this with various other instances of games. I don't even think that Clash of Clans is the first Supercell game that has had some issues with Chinese privacy laws. Part of what they're saying is... If you have a game where there are children involved, then we need to make sure that there are things put in place to ensure that their privacy is met. And I have to wonder if that is a big part of this. Now, I once heard a story from Darian about global chat and why it went away. And part of that has to do, I think, with some of these privacy issues. Now, who knows what's going to happen after I tell this story. This story I heard on a live stream where Darian was a guest and he was being interviewed and people were asking like they always do every time Darian comes on. People are always asking about, can you bring, when's global chat coming back? Bring back global, global chat. It's, it's not coming back. But this story, I've only ever heard it once. And then the day after this live stream was done, mysteriously, the video on demand for that, because I was going to go back and replay and take down some notes from this stream. This stream disappeared. It got taken down. Did it get taken down because of this story that I've never heard told from anywhere? And a story that while he was telling it, Darian was kind of going, well, uh, hmm, I don't know if I can give all of the details. Kind of being cagey about it. But the story goes that there was some threaten there were some threats of violence against a school that were happening in global chat supercell caught on to this it was reported um, probably somebody paying attention in the global chat saw that somebody was threatening violence and they reported it to supercell supercell sees it and through whatever means that they have this is where he would not get into the details they said they investigated they turned it over to the correct authorities and that the authorities actually went out and were able to stop what looked like a planned violent action against a school. That all sounds great, right? Here we go. We have a game. We have people participating in a game. They see something fishy. They report it to the game developer who contacts authorities, and they're able to thwart a potential violent action against a school. On the surface, that sounds fantastic. As we start Getting into the details, though, this good action could also point out that there is some privacy issues that aren't necessarily in line with certain privacy laws. And that's not to say that it was a bad thing that they stopped this at all. But this has to go into, again, international politics, guys. When did a game developer have to get thrust into the middle of international politics? How did they know 
where this student was. How did they know where this school was? Were they gleaning information to, to gather location information? And was this person actually a minor? If they were threatening actions and violence against a school, they potentially were a minor. Well, now we have an issue where a company is somehow gathering information about location of a minor, finding that out, getting it over to authorities, and being able to thwart things. The thwarting of the actions is good. But if I'm a country who's concerned with privacy laws and maybe a country who doesn't always have, oh, the greatest freedom of speech protections, maybe I look at that from the other side of the coin and say, somehow you were able to track down a minor with their location and where they were, and we don't like that. I don't know. This is, again, complete speculation. This was a story. The, the true part about the story that, that Darian told us was that they were able to thwart some issues that were potential violence against a school. And that from that was when they really started talking about, you know what, we've had many problems with global chat. Maybe the best bet is to just get rid of it. And then we, we left it at that. You know, they did not go into more details about how it happened, what exactly was said in the threats. and. I don't know, but that's the story that was told. Uh, there's a few that listen to this podcast that were also on that, that live stream. So if, if I'm relaying any information that is not correct from that live stream, please, please correct me. If you were on that live stream and you agree with me, let me know in, in the chat, in the discord server that yes, that is what you remember hearing on that live stream that happened at the end of 2021. And then that live stream mysteriously just disappeared from the video on demand section of Twitch. And it was also removed from YouTube. So there's no clips of it. I can't go back and get word for word what happened. And I also don't know if that story is why it was taken down or if it was just some technical glitch that it got taken down. Don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I do know that we have what is what is commonly referred to as the Great Firewall of China. My speculation is that China was looking at what was going on and they have their own privacy laws that we in, you know, the Western civilization uh, don't always know everything about. There is a lot of censorship that goes on in, uh, well, several different countries have a lot of censorship to where my speculation is that China looked at Supercell. I don't know if they said that the 10 cent or not. I don't think that really matters because we showed that a country, India, can block a game, PUBG Mobile, and it doesn't even have to be based in that country. So I think perhaps the Chinese looked at Supercell and said, we don't agree with the way that you're doing something, whether it was privacy information of minors, whether it was just allowing their citizens to have direct outside contact through maybe there's some censorship filters that aren't in place. I don't know, but maybe China said you must segregate our citizens from the rest of the world. If you want to be, if you want to have your game in our country, or we will block clash of clans from the app stores for all Chinese citizens. And it is not uncommon for a country who is making those claims to also say, if you discuss the 
you know, what we have talked about here and the fact that it is us forcing you to do this and make us look bad, then we will also block your stuff. So is that why Supercell has been silent on this issue? Is it because they are getting strong-armed by a foreign government? I don't know. Guys, I'm not talking about some sort of conspiracy theory, spy gate, whatever. This, this kind of stuff really does happen. And when we have a game that reaches all over the world, we can see that in several different places now. So that, that's my take on it. I'm not going to you know, completely say that Supercell is right in everything. I'm not going to kiss up and, and say that. I, I wish that they would give some hint of things that are going on and, and give us, you know, a little bit of something to know if there are any plans to bring things back together or if not. I've seen screenshots from now the Chinese server where they have actually made some artwork changes. Uh, they've, they've made some changes to the way some things work. And there's, there's hints and rumors that there's going to be other things that are changed to align more with what those laws could be in that country. So I don't know that this is going to be a temporary thing. And I think we're just going to have to figure out how this works going forward. Hopefully at some point they will get to the point where perhaps they have done enough changes to please uh, the folks who are the regulators in China so that they can discuss what's going on. In the meantime, I think we need to give them a little bit of a, a little bit of slack and hope that this person that they hire that has an understanding of how personal data needs to be protected will be able to help them through these issues in the cyber realm and hopefully their their legal counsels will also be able to help them through the things that are issues in the legal the international legal realm too so like i said all of that stemmed from a maintenance break that happened right before last week's episode well right before i go to record this week's episode we had yet another maintenance break we have had i think four maintenance breaks in the past two well what like 10 to 14 days or so and there have been a lot of shakeups and a lot of things that have happened through those maintenance breaks you know the big one again being the whole china is it a separate server what's going on with that this one was a little bit tamer hopefully <laughs> and i think it actually fixed an issue that we have been seeing has anybody noticed oh maybe a little bit more fails on your blizzards or your Houdini, whatever you want to call it, where perhaps they're landing in places and the troops that you put in there, whether it's barbs or archers or whatnot, are not triggering the traps that might be sitting there in front of where you drop your blimp. Guys, this past week, the bombs, specifically the big bombs, I think the small bombs also, and... I, the notes on this last maintenance break said that it was they were fixing issues with traps. So I don't know if that included Teslas and spring traps. But the big bombs specifically were not being triggered until units started to move. So let's say you drop that you drop that blimp and you've got uh, maybe some archers that are in there that are supposed to come out before the super wizards so that they can trigger the giant bombs. Well, the archers are coming out and no bombs go off. The wizards come out, no bombs go off. And then as soon as that first building gets destroyed and everything takes a step towards the next building, then the bombs go off and destroy everything. 
Uh, that just got fixed. So if you've been seeing some lower hit rates on some of your blizzards, or even if you're sending in, you know, a couple troops and maybe there's a little hole that they leave and you're sending a test archer or test barbarian in and it hasn't been triggering the, the traps, that has been fixed. Uh, I just went in just a little bit ago after the maintenance break concluded and did some tests on some uh, FCs. And yes, now as soon as your troops are dropped in range of those traps, that's been fixed. So that's that's been something interesting. Did anybody else notice that that issue was going on? Did anybody either take advantage of that uh, on a defensive side of things? Did that break any of your attacks as you were attacking? Uh, let me know if if any of that occurred because you know that that's kind of a big deal that I didn't see getting too much traction. I, I didn't see too many people complaining about it in the Discord servers. I did see several folks uh, up on the subreddit that were that were talking about it. And speaking of the subreddit, guys, if you are not listening to Reddit Talks Clash, go give them a listen. Uh, new new podcast in our realm. Uh, they had just had a great episode. Oh, was it yesterday? I think either Sunday or Monday that got released. Uh, good stuff there. And they're they're really coming along with their, their format. And I, I'm enjoying listening to everything that they have there. And that has nothing to do with the fact that maybe Rick gave me a shout out in his episode. But <laughs> thank you uh, to those guys for, again, for, for being right along on the same crusades that I'm on right now. And I have been enjoying getting more and more involved in the, the subreddit community there. And if you're not there, please stop by the subreddit. There's a lot of great information that's going on there. It is far more active than any of the Discord servers I'm in. However, a lot of that activity has to do with everybody asking the same stupid question over and over and over. So if you've got a question, make make sure you're looking to see that somebody else hasn't already asked it. Uh, read the, the rules of the thing and then get out there and, and have some fun in that subreddit. It's got a lot of good information and we do get a little bit of interaction directly with Supercell. Uh, for instance, this past week, somebody put up their artwork that was a like a concept the design concept for town hall 15 it was well actually i'm going to hunt for this thing right now because it was some cool stuff and what was interesting was that darian actually replied to this guy that um had put up this artwork and now i can't find it you know what that's that's too bad but somebody put together a, a a whole bunch of concepts about what it could look like and some things. And Darian actually replied, said, Ooh, those are really cool. Let me pass those on over to the development team. And they had some, they had a little bit of banter going back and forth. So this is a place where there is potentially the opportunity for you to have your ideas noticed by Supercell. Uh, as a matter of fact, the maintenance break that happened last week with the quality of life changes and some of the, the balancing changes, a lot of those things were recommendations that happened in the subreddit darian posted a a request months ago asking for input on potential quality of life changes people put those out there and some of them actually got put into the game so that looks like a decent place to get your ideas noticed if they're a good idea so head on over there and and be sure to check that out if uh, you're not already there now what else do we have going on coming up very soon it's going to be the reset for Legend League. And with that reset comes the next edition of Jesse Spoker's Legend League Challenge. He's been doing this, oh, this will be the fourth month now. First month was Barch, where he had to use, 
oh, 69 barbs and 69 archers in your, your army composition. You could use anything else with that. The next month was mass baby dragons. Last month was 25 bowlers. This month's challenge, it only lasts a week, the first week of Legend League season, and we have to use 17 Valkyries. That's right, 17 Valkyries. You can have those all in your army comp. You can have them split between your army comp and in your clan castle as long as you are actually deploying the ones from your clan castle. Don't be like, I almost had this happen to me last month with the bowlers where I had the flame flinger with bowlers in it and I get to the end of the raid, it's going to be an overwhelming three-star. That happened like once. Most of them were one-stars. Don't think that I'm OP with the stupid bowlers. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hey, this is going to be a three-star. That's cool. And I look over, and there's like four buildings left that all my troops are heading towards, and the Flame Flinger is still up, which means the bowlers and my Flame Flinger didn't get deployed, and I had to pop that stupid thing manually, and the last bowler came out of the flame flinger right as all of the troops that were left on the map destroyed that last building so i just barely got that all deployed so that i had the 25 bowlers on the map so if you participate make sure that you've got 17 valkyries that actually show up on the map and show up in your replay uh, because you have to take pictures of your attack log that shows the army composition you used and they that's how they validate what's going on now prizes guys this month is actually going to be even bigger and better than it has been in the past so let's see let's look at this prize pool guys right now if we can get over 75 people to join this server there's going to be 200 dollars worth of prizes for the top five finishers if we don't get over 100 and, or if we don't get over 75 then it'll be $150 that gets split between the top three. So please, if you're listening to this, come on over, join the challenge. All you've got to do is that first week of Legend League season, use 17 Valkyries. We've been testing this out in Knights of Zion ever since Jesse announced what it was going to be. And y'all, it, it actually works better than you would think. Um, Jesse himself has three accounts, I think, in Legend League. On two of those counts the other day, he was using, I think he may have only been using 16 Valkyries. We'll have to confirm that. Maybe he had one in his clan castle. But he was out there doing these hits. And on two of his accounts in Legend League, he got seven out of eight triples. Now, yes, Jesse's a retired pro player. So he should be able to hit with a lot of things. But me and, and Big D and a couple other guys who are definitely not pro players, we've been hitting with it. I'm now I'm nowhere near getting seven out of eight triples with them, but I'm actually doing all right with all of these Valkyries. So it's not as difficult as you would think it is. So if you're interested in getting involved in this prize pool, if you think that you could perhaps get up to, oh, 5,500 trophies using a bunch of Valkyries for the first week, come on over. Even if you don't think you could do it just for the sake of the guys at the top, please, please come sign up for this. Because if we can get over the 75 people signed up for it, then we're going to be adding more money to the prize pool. So this doesn't, you know, don't just do it for yourself. Do it for some of your fellow clashers. You get to come hang out. There's a couple pro teams that are involved in this that are, that are hanging out and just 
I mean, the server is just a bunch of people that are hanging out and doing cool things. We've got McKenzie Gaming in there who's doing a lot of the live streams. Uh, Bad Stag Gaming uh, does a lot of recaps also on his his little YouTube channel. And had last month he had one of the absolute funniest intros to a Clash of Clans video I have ever seen. I shared it in our Discord server on the Clash in the Potty Discord server. It was just absolutely hilarious. So if, if it's still, I think, in the... Um, community content section is where I posted that. So go, go check that out. It was hilarious. And I expect we're going to have quite a bit more of that going on this week. There's a lot of shenanigans going on, a lot of side bets and things in that server. So if you're a fan of having some fun with some uh, good folks from the community, please head on over to Jesse's Legend League Challenge Discord server, drop your player tag in there for seven days, use a bunch of Valkyries in your attack, and help us be able to get to the next level in that prize pool so that a few more folks can come away with a little bit of cash money to put in their pockets and maybe buy some more gems and, and whatever you want to do with that. It's all up to you. But I, I encourage everybody, come on over and get involved in this challenge. Get involved with the community. We've got a lot of folks who are already maxed and getting bored with things. Well, what better way to fight boredom than get involved with the community, meet some new folks, and have a good time. There are several folks that you probably already know who are hanging out over there in that server. I'm there, uh, T43, so he came over just a couple days ago. So he's from Sons of Guns, another one of the EYG clans, and he's in, I know I've seen him in Clash Tips Discord. I think he might be over in the Clash Files family Discord also. Uh, I think he's got a, an account in COTP Plebs, or at least did at one point. So he's in there, uh, me, Big D, Benjo, Spoker, um, a bunch of the folks from KOZ are in there. So please, head on over and get involved in that challenge. For the Knights of Zion, you guys who are listening, y'all should be in there too, right? We, we already know that KOZ has a challenge going on that's going to start at the same time, and next month, whoever has the highest trophies in KOZ at the end of the March season is going to get a prize from Big D and might actually get a sponsor from Jesse also, so we'll see how that happens. But we're having our own challenge in the Knights of Zion, so if you'd like to participate in the KOZ challenge, apply to KOZ, Get into the clan, and maybe you'll be eligible if you spend the month with us uh, to get this prize that is only that is only available to KOZ members. So, guys, if you're out there, come on, head on over, have some fun with us. We'll we'll do some crazy things, some crazy attacks at the end of the month or at the end of the week. Uh, we'll likely have a friendly war that will um, highlight some crazy attack strategies. There's prizes that get awarded to the weirdest attack strategies, and we can't wait to see everybody doing all of those things all right what else is going on in game clan games has started clan games has started and guys this is the most opest of op clan games rewards have you checked them out yet have you seen what is at the end of the clan games rewards if you can make it all the way to tier six you get the best reward in all of clash of clans and that is a book of spells wait what's that sparky you did you say Wait, Book of Spells? Really? Eps in the chat, guys. Eps in the chat. Book of Spells sucks. How many times do we have to sell off these Books of Spells? Supercell, you gave us some cool, some, some cool rewards, a bunch of events that were going on that were easy to complete. Uh, the speculation is that that was kind of to make up for, well, one, the trader had that free rune of elixir. 
Supercell tweeted out for the, I believe it was the Valentine's Day challenge that if you completed that, you got a rune of elixir. And that was wrong. That's not what you got for that. And they apologized and corrected their, you know, they deleted that tweet, put it out. But a lot of people already saw that. So I think that the free rune of elixir that we all saw was kind of to make up for that typo in a tweet. And then we got all these unexpected events that instead of having to do like 10 or 15 attacks, some of them were all you had to do was do three and four attacks. I think that might have been to make up for the fact of not giving us any news on what's going on with this whole China server debacle. Don't know. But we had all those cool rewards from that that were easy to get. And then you give us clan games and it is like just the, I don't know, the most underwhelming clan games rewards that I have seen in a long, long time. I don't think there is anything except, let's see, tier one has a training potion. I will definitely be claiming that training potion. Um, maybe I have room for the super potion that's in tier four, but everything else is gonna get turned into gems because I'm already full on all of the other things. <sighs> oh well, what do y'all think of clan games rewards this time? I'm happy that we'll be getting gems. I always am. I will never turn down free gems. As a matter of fact, I just on my main account completed something and got, I think it was 250 gems for defeating the weaponized town halls. So it was the, the not so easy this time. Um, what, what do you, what do we call those achievements? There we go. Achievements. So yeah, I just completed that one. Uh, which leaves me with just, let's see, what do I have left? Seed Share, Unbreakable, which uh, who knows if I'll ever, ever complete Unbreakable. Yeah, not so easy this time. Destroy 2,000 weaponized town halls in multiplayer battle. I can't believe that it took me that long to destroy 2,000 weaponized town halls. And then Superb Work, boost a super troop 250 times for 100 gems. Um, that achievement right there, I think is probably the reason, or at least one of the reasons, why they're not letting us cancel a super troop. It's not like 100 gems is really that massive of a prize, uh, especially compared to if you had to spend the 25,000 Dark Elixir and then cancel that troop and spend another 25,000 Dark Elixir. It, it's not really worth doing that over and over and over again to get 100 gems. But I have to wonder if that achievement right there is why we can't cancel super troop boosts. So those are the three achievements I have left, right? Superb work, unbreakable, and siege share. I still, I'm at 1,459 out of 5,000 siege machines donated to get that 500 gems. So let's be, uh, come on, Knights and Eden's Edge, request some siege machines so I can get that one, um, Let's see if we can do it next week. No, <laughs> just kidding. That's going to take a while to get all of those things donated. So anybody else done with achievements? I have given up on that unbreakable achievement. I know that I was I was talking about that for months and I have just given up on it. I, I If I drop down, then I get out of practice with my war hits and it's just not pretty. So I'm not going to be... Not going to be going after that one for quite some time. Hey, and as we say that, I see Bapo 6.0 has requested a log launcher, so I will donate one to him over in Eden's Edge. And that takes me to one more siege machine that is donated. I'm now at 1,460. Yes! One more down. All right, guys. Um, we've been going, what, about 45 minutes? I think that is going to be about it. Let's see what we have as far as questions 
in the Discord server before we call this an episode. I do believe somebody sent me a question. Let's see. Questions for Catfish. Orion asks, now that we have the extra life, will we see more active heroes on defense, making farming multiplayer more challenging? Well, so I'm confused here because in the i think it was the december 2020 update let me let me do a quick search here i think in the december 2020 update there was a change that made heroes always defend as long as they weren't upgrading um let me see if i can find that which should mean we're not actually seeing any change as far as the defensive guard. Okay, heroes. This was, uh, no, it was October. So October 12th, 2020. Heroes will now always guard the village and will automatically heal after taking a defense. The guard toggle has now been removed. What did that mean? Because I swear I have seen sleeping heroes that weren't being upgraded. Does that mean, oh, that probably means that if they get attacked they automatically heal. But if you just did a raid, then maybe they do sleep and don't guard. Okay, okay. Uh, the guard toggle has now been removed. So yeah, that should mean that at lower levels, see, I haven't had to run into that because I've been up in Legend League where they're always active. Even if they are upgrading, they're always active. But that should mean that we're always, we're, we're going to see more heroes that are actually guarding now because they'll have a little bit of extra life. But most people probably are getting their two raids in and then getting offline so you might see heroes sleeping more and more i don't know that's a that's a good question orion it actually confused me because i thought that was already in the game but now that i reread those patch notes from october 2020 maybe i was wrong so yeah that's i think that's about the only question that i had come in this week if you guys have any other questions, please hit me up on the Discord server. I am a part of the Clash on the Potty Discord server. I've got some channels up there at the top for clashing and traffic. I would love to chat with you there. Uh, so let's see. Here's the big question. I want some answers. I want some people to, to give me some input and let me know what I should do. And that is about this job in Helsinki, Finland, doing information security for Supercell. Uh, that would be a massive move for us. It would I don't know if my wife would really want to move to Helsinki. Uh, our son, who's working on his master's degree, would not be you know, coming with us because he's going to college. What would that mean for my daughter? I have a 19-year-old daughter who lives at home and, and works full-time while she's saving up so that she can put herself through whatever college uh, it is that she wants to go to. She's still figuring all that out. So what would that mean for the two of them? Uh, would would our son stay here and finish off his degree? Would our daughter come with us and start a career over there in Finland? I don't know. So I don't know that I would even really want to take the job. But what do you think? Should I even apply for it? Let me know. Uh, that's the big question. Should Catfish apply to Supercell to help overcome the account phishing and hacking issues and potentially some of these uh, account privacy or a data privacy issues that, that Supercell is having to, to overcome now. Give me some feedback, guys. I would love to know what you have to say. And until next week, I hope that y'all are staying safe and having some fun while you're out there playing in traffic. Bye for now. <laughs>